Motorsports Worldwide Live. In three, two, one. On 947, Vuma FM, Rise FM, and Soweto Live. Hashtag MSW. There's still plenty to chat about as you listen to us right here on Mara Sports Worldwide. Good evening and welcome to the show. Live at 947, you're live on Rise FM, Vuma FM, as well as the Sowetan Live. So wherever you are around the country, the continent and the world, good to have you on board. Uh, remember, WhatsApp voice note number. You can only send your comments. You can send your questions uh, because we've got two great guests uh, who are going to be here in studio. 060-7080-484, 060-7080-484. And in the time allocated to us, we will certainly try and uh, zoom through this because, yeah, one is uh, a beautiful journey. The other one, hey, an intriguing story, but we'll try and plaster it all together. I mean, it might have seemed like a, a natural progression, hey, or as they would say, that the apple didn't fall too far from the tree now, something like that. Daddy's one of the most decorated coaches in the Premier Soccer League. Four times winner of the Premiership title at Supersport United. Budvez Witt as well. Passionate beast on the touchline if you've seen him coaching. But I suppose watching and admiring, you know, what dad does from as little as she was back then gets inspired over the years. And I suppose so much so that she too wants to become a coach right now. That's the beautiful story of Caitlin Hunt. She's certainly got a a long way to reach daddy's feet but hey she's kicking things off with the entry level d license and we're all excited to see what the future of coaching holds for caitlin good to see you welcome to the show thank you for having me rob hey how's it going it's always nice to see you <laughs> <laughs> well congratulations on taking the big bold step i mean there you were we were seeing all of these uh, photos flying around yourself um, you know Kloppy, the chairman and of mamelodi sundowns also funny Matita's son also being there and you were there so al- almost automatically there's a history that you can write from just one single picture were you surprised by all the noise that was made about your presence maybe slightly on them because they're not here to represent themselves <laughs> yeah i mean i just I applied for the course. I wanted to do the software D course, but I had no idea that there was Fani was going, Fani's son was going to be there, or Sloppy was going to be there. Yeah. You know, I just arrived there on day one, and I just looked to my left and I looked to my right, and I was like, "Wow, here we go." Yeah. You know, and then Fani's son came to me, and we just started putting two and two together. And I mean, him and my dad work so closely together as well, so. It was strange at first, but I mean, as the days went on, we just, we were more like coaches. We, we Our backgrounds didn't really come into it. We just spoke to each other like coaches. Yeah, mm. but it didn't feel that way though. What was it like, just the induction, seeing about what 37 or so aspirant coaches wanting to uh, further their studies, improve what their coaching badges might have and maybe in future accumulate even more? Yeah, so obviously the whole goal of it was, you know, I've coached before, but I wanted to get the badges. I wanted to, you know, go the software way and do the course. But, you know, we went on there and it's so nice to see so many coaches wanting yeah. to further the, themselves in the coaching, you know, the coaching world. And that's exactly what I wanted to do myself, you know, and that's, I mean, obviously everyone had different reasons for being on the course, but my aspiration was I want to coach. I want to educate myself. I want to further my knowledge of coaching. You know, my knowledge of coaching stems from watching games, being around my dad, but there's more I wanted to add to my coaching knowledge. I mean, having spoken to a number of people that have very famous dads, they, they would tell me that it either adds or at times they feel, oh man, I just wish he wasn't my dad in a way, not in a bad way, but for you, do you find that it, it adds being the daughter 
of the highly successful South African coach called Kevin Hunt. How does that flow with you? And you're very active on social media, so at times there's going to be the highs and lows. And I know that you were very vocal when uh, he was at Kaiser Chiefs and things were not turning right for him, etc. And that puts you in a, in a different, you know, uh, pedestal now because you're trying to weigh up your personal feelings and the fans are firing there. So just to get an understanding where and how that sits with you. Yeah, so obviously it's hard because he is uh, my dad first before yeah. he's a coach. I mean, we've said it many times and I've always said to him, I will support him through everything. But, you know, when it comes to coaching and the clubs and that you you got to try separate the two i'm there as a supporter and i try you know go to the games i'm there to help him but you know when it comes to all the other things i try not to comment too much on it you know um you try separate your personal life from his job as well because yeah. in today's times it does affect you know his job and you got to just be careful yeah. what you say you know I, I like to comment on football and i like to have an opinion as well which I, I do vocalize on social media, but yeah, we try to keep it separate. I mean, he is my dad, first of all, but you know, the conversation is based a lot around football and what do I think, what do you think, which is nice nowadays. We do chat a lot about football and mm-hmm. now the coaching has come into it now. Like, what do you think? You know, how would you do this? And I try to tap into his knowledge a lot. So I try to keep the two very separate. Yeah. Yeah. We're not trying to, I'm not trying to talk about too much about him on social media, but more about myself. As I said, I'm just starting out as a coach. Yeah. So I want to try build a base and I'm starting at the very bottom and at the beginning. So, so I look up to him a lot and what he's done, but yeah, I'm trying to write my own journey here. Yeah, and your, your journey has been written. I mean, as, as, as short-lived as it is, uh, you know, hockey plays a very big role in what you've done before. You've been able to coach, you've been able to earn and, and get awards in terms of your, your coaching hockey. What, what decision then lay ahead? Or was it always going to be obvious? You know, dad was at Hellenic. You went the Hellenic route. Um, which is important because from a family perspective, you know, we all grew up watching Hellenic. Mm. You know, it might not be existing in the professional ranks as it was back then. But how important was it for you in, in what I would call the baby steps of, of coaching to really start there? So at Hellenic, I mean, my uncle played a very vital role in Hellenic and bless him, he's not here to this day, but Hellenic is so driven with the youth and he really drives the development of the youth. And I mean, that's why I really saw, you know, different youth development structures and how we get um, kids through the ranks. I mean, we see kids from Hellenic that have come through the ranks and are playing in the PSL to this day. And I mean, that's where I really saw youth development, which is why I went on Safa D. Because Safa D focused on a lot of the grassroots level and youth development. And so that's where I really saw the Hellenic. And I mean, you know, but my my granddad, Raji Byrne, you, yes. you also know him very well. So, I mean, the coaching side has been on him. I've had it with my dad, my uncles. The coaching has just been everywhere. So I kind of feel like I was drawn to the coaching in a way. As I said, I, I did study a different path in university, but I mean, something is pulling me towards coaching and I don't want to shut it out yet. I want to explore that option and see what I can offer. That's why I'm starting where I'm starting. Bio kineticist mm. that is that is your leadership <laughs> yes <laughs> that is your leadership but you know when you talk about you know budgie burn you talk about the old days and you talk it, it would have been a crazy family where football was was the language whether on or off the field it would be carried back home and when you start to structure your your journey as a coach are, are you willing to break those barriers where automatically when 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 the coaching side does happen with you that you would go let's say the desiree ellis roots where you're coaching the ladies as opposed to these opportunities where you could coach literally anyone including a professional team mm-hmm. in the premier soccer league what do you envisage for yourself given what potentially might lie ahead 
So at the moment, I mean, I'm not like limiting myself to an age group or females or males. I'm kind of yeah. just seeing what happens and I'm open to coaching both male or female, any age group. But I kind of, you always lean towards female soccer, but, you know, it's it's become so big and there's yeah. so much emphasis on it lately. And, you know, you kind of want to emphasize women in sport and women playing sport and being involved in it as much as possible. And I'm I'm trying to get more girls to play, you know, at, at the younger level. You know, you see all the boys playing, but you want the girls to play. You want to be part of the coaching journey, you know, so that's where I'm trying to... I don't want to limit myself yet, but you always do lean a bit to the, the female side and, you know, coaching women. And so we'll see. They say that the, the, the women's sport right now, you know, especially within Banyana Banyana, they, they, they're doing way better than we would imagine the, the male counterparts to be. Maybe at times a bit unfair to make the comparison, but you see who qualifies, who becomes African champions. You see where we don't qualify, we can't even qualify for our own continental competitions and it becomes problematic. So how would you dissect that? Where, where, where do you think problems in SA football lie? It's always hard. You know, making the comparison between female and male is it's very tricky, especially you know, in our country. But, you know, I've always said national teams and countries, they look at, they base your country off your football and your national team. So if we look at our country, we look at Bafana Bafana and, and, you know, that's how we measure our football. We say, why do countries want to play friendlies against us because of how Bafana Bafana is doing? Mm-hmm. You know, and obviously Banyana Banyana, they've been so successful and, you know, they've been doing things so well and, yeah, I mean, obviously there's flaws in that, but I mean, we want to qualify for AFCON, we want to qualify for big tournaments. So I just think, you know, qualification is a start and yes, there are flaws and, you know, but we've got to look at the positives. We've got to back, you know, our national sides, both female and men, you know, we've got to support them, you know, and then the rest kind of falls into place, you know. So you're not surprised by just how many female players are now applying their trade overseas and in numbers, but also playing for the big teams. You, you can be playing overseas, but if you're not playing for regular high-profile teams, then maybe people don't really take you seriously that much. But you look at the composition um, of the senior women's team, a lot of them are just out of the country, but doing magical things with big teams as well. What do you think you attribute that to and, and, and them being more in terms of numbers as opposed to seeing the same within Bafana Bafana? Yeah, I just think, you know, with, with the women's game, it's up and coming. It's just so relevant at the moment. And I just think Banyana Banyana, because of their success, the women are just getting a look in from all different sides of the country. I mean, the world, people just want to see, you know, those players playing all over the world. And I don't know, maybe it's due to the brand of football that they're playing and, you know, the emphasis Desiree has on it. But... Mm. I don't know. It's tricky. I mean, Bafana Bafana. There's not a lot of players that are playing overseas, and th- you can you can nail it down to a lot of things. But I just think because of how the national team is doing, then you know the female players automatically they get a look in from from overseas you know clubs. So if you look at Bafana Bafana, you know you kind of got to look at the same thing. How are they doing? Are clubs looking at them overseas? You know that's kind of what I put it down to. Yeah, and just the revolving door that we see at times where coaches aren't even given much of a fair chance. Um, or even a platform to coach too many games and they get given the boot. Uh, I mean, an example, we just dealt with the Namazulu case today. <laughs> you know, you move from coaching to a technical advisor. Uh, you know, we've seen plenty of times whether it's a Chipper United or other clubs as well, really fire their coaches without cementing a footprint at those clubs. Does that deter you at all to say, oh, my goodness, would I be part of that? Or is it just seen as an international trend like we've seen uh, with Potter overseas? And, uh, you know, just the other day, also Leicester City saying goodbye to their coach as well uh, with Brendan Rodgers. So they, they, 
but it seems more like in South Africa, you're not given too much of a chance by the hierarchy or the chairman of the clubs that run it. They're almost like they want instant results. What's your take on that? I think in South Africa with football, you know, time is something you don't have. You know, they once there's no like long-term plan there's no like this is how we foresee ourselves in the next four or five years yeah. it's always like we want immediate results we want trophies now we want good players now where you know sometimes obviously they allow you the time they allow you to settle in they allow you to bring about your own philosophy and your own method of coaching and you know also overseas you get your own coaching staff as well you know you can take people with you that you know back you on your journey here yeah, i think they, they want immediate gratification we want trophies now we want to there's no long-term plan or long-term philosophy or you know that that this my philosophy should be applied over four or five years it's like okay one year you mm. haven't won a trophy you're gone you know and it's hard as i said i've been on the other end of it where you've seen how it affects you emotionally it's not easy you know because you go in there with a plan of three four five years and this is what i want to do with the club and you don't get the opportunity you don't get the time so you know coaching is hard it it, it does want to Put you off a bit it does make you not want to coach but you know you just got to back yourself and believe in your own philosophy and what you can do at a club and you know if the owners don't align with you or they don't believe in you then it is what it is but you know time is something which you don't have that's why you need to know yourself as a coach you need to know your philosophy and know what you want to do at a club yeah when you talk about the philosophy it just reminds me of a very simple question that looking at global football or even yeah, locally, which is that one coach that you would say you identify with their philosophy based on how that particular club plays? <laughs> Rob, you're going to make me be biased here. <laughs> Please be as biased as you can. You know, you know. I mean, I have to say my dad, I've just always, you know, he has a particular style of playing. You know, every club he goes to, he identifies certain players. He mm. he does, he, know, he has a plan. He just, he just, I mean, we all know he plays a certain way. He wants a specific type of player, and and he sticks to it. I mean, it's it's look at SuperSport now. It's it's working quite well. You know, other clubs maybe it didn't, but I just think he he knows the way how he plays and how he wants to play, and he sticks to it. I don't think he, you know, he changes from his philosophy or he doesn't change a certain player. I mean, we all know SuperSport how he played with wingers and this way and this way. We know how he plays, so I just think he sticks to it quite well, and he. He backs his own philosophy very well. You know, sometimes it does get hard at clubs and you don't have the backing or you don't have the players. But, you know, if you stick to philosophy and the way of playing and, and the biggest thing is players backing. If you've got the players backing, you know, you can succeed. So I'm going to be biased here, Rob, and say my dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good bias because he's got the track record. Yeah. You know, so if, if, if you were telling us about a coach that has not even won a goat um, or a sheep, you know, in a little gussy tournament somewhere, uh, then we would know that, nah, come, Caitlin, please pull the other one on us right now. So <laughs> at least you got somebody uh, that has a, a proper, proper track record. So when we come back from the break, we'll take our final moments with Caitlin because, yeah, these highs and lows of football, as she has indicated, Johnny Ferreira is my guest straight after that. Oh, yeah. It's only going to get hotter. Hashtag MSW. Hashtag MSW. Yeah, talk about another one, Bites the Dust, kind of like sounds like the very same topic that Caitlin Hunt, as well as myself, who we were chatting about just before the break of the coaches, the revolving door of SA football. What was your biggest down moment, though, when all was said and done? When you looked around, whether it had to do with your dad coaching, whether it had to do with yourself, where you were, but what would you say in SA football? is that indicator that says, you know what, 
This was my down. Sure, there's a lot, Rob. <laughs> um, I think two moments stick out to me. I think when Vitz, Vitz was sold, yeah. that was hard. You know, it, th- there was a lot of emotion. It was during COVID. There was a lot of confusion and hurt. And I mean, the fact that the league was won and it was just, it was hard. It wasn't easy, you know. And then obviously, I think the, the one that hit deep was obviously the Chiefs one. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of emotion. It was it was hard. It was I saw my dad at a very low moment and we had to stick together, you know. Mm. And, um, you know, besides football and, you know, it's a job at the end of the day. But, you know, at the end of the day, we, we family and we stick together. And there's been a, f- a lot of low moments, but there's mm. also been a lot of highs. So it comes with the football. It comes with the territory, you know. But, I mean, that disappointment... Would have disappointed us who, who who've who've known him and his success, and maybe till today I have no clue why things didn't work out there. Did you ever try and work it out? Because it was such a long-awaited appointment. People had been saying for years and years, "This is where you need to go. This is where you'd really shine." And then he gets the transfer is locked. You can't buy a single player. Can't do this. Can't do that. Did you ever sit down and think, wait, where did it go wrong? Yeah, it was a hard time. Obviously, it was COVID as well. There was there was a lot of uncertainty as well. And then obviously, the appointment happened. I mean, we were all ecstatic. It was was what we'd all wanted. You know, it was a big club, if we call it that now. Yeah. Um, we were all so proud of him. It was a long time coming. And, you know, we all wanted success. We all wanted to see big things happening and... It was sad what happened. To this day, we st- I still don't know. We we still ponder and we still think about it and what happened, what happened. But it's football. It's part of what happens and you just move on to the next one, you know. All Talk- I know is he's a good coach. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, well, I think given where the table is and as far as Supersport United, it showed. And, you know, the frustration when he got there, it was about the players, you know. A lot of young players, like of experienced kind of players. But he's, he's been able to knuckle it down. But again, moving forward, as we start to wrap things up here, I know a lot of people watching on YouTube, so do follow, do listen, do watch. Uh, we are live on YouTube at 947 Joburg. Uh, Caitlin Nant is here with me. And uh, Sundowns, there's just a gap that is there. They get crowned champions without kicking a ball over the weekend because of this extraordinary gap. Playing on the African com- continent, uh, you know, CAF Champions League, and they do well, you know. They would go and they'd beat probably one of the most successful teams in Alali of Egypt. And they do it, yeah, I won't say without breaking a sweat, but they do it very convincingly. And then there's almost like sundowns and the rest. What, and, what do you think needs to be done to bridge that gap? Because one way or the other, that, that gap has to be bridged. Yeah, you know, it's always it's hard to watch a local football lately. You know, there's... It's kind of like people don't really care to watch it anymore because it's like, oh, Sundowns will win the league. You know, it's not competitive. And I always said when Vitz was taken away, the league just became less competitive. Mm. You know, things just died away. And I just think there's such a big gap between Sundowns and the rest of the teams in terms of squad, you know, money. And there's so many different factors. And But yet, you know, teams still manage to, to win games, to get close to them. So I think there's a lot that needs to be done. You know, things need to be made a bit more fair, I think, you know. And I think you need to, we need to bring that competitive ele- element back to the PSL. I mean, you know, if stadiums are not as full as they were before. There, there's certain things that are just people don't want to watch local football mm. anymore. 
So, I don't know. Maybe the league needs to intervene. I don't know. Maybe something else needs to be done. But, you know, there needs to be more competitive teams. You want to see, you know, the underdog teams. You know, I've always been a fan of the underdog teams. Yeah, you yeah, want to yeah. see the underdog, underdog teams doing well and challenging, you know. And, and they do it too. They do it well as well like in some games. But it's not consistent, you know. You're not going to say, oh, they're going to beat Sundowns or they're going to beat a big team. So, I don't know. Hopefully, we get some type of... Resolution going forward where the league becomes more competitive. I would love that. I would really would love that. I, I agree 100% because, yeah, there's just that looking at sundowns and you say, wow, what can we do? And there is a lot that can be done. And I don't even think it's about money when you look at some of the teams that do well in the Nedbank Cup. Unheard of. They don't even have the resources, but then they beat all the big names uh, that are in the professional ranks. And you're saying, but yeah, if they can do it, then what about the teams that are getting such. A lot of grant money coming through from their TV rights and et cetera, et cetera. So there's no shortage of money. You know, they need to go and do something. Money is an excuse, I believe, uh, for all of them. But, Caitlin, we could chat un- until tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to this beautiful game. And you're right, Budweiser has gone. We we're saying, off uh, Bloemfontein Celtic, gone. You know, Santos, hey, Jomo Cosmos. We don't know what's going to happen with Black Leopards. Um, you know, those are teams that sit historically with a lot that is going on and they bring and they've brought a lot to uh, SA football. So hopefully they also don't go down the drain uh, like the teams that we've mentioned. Maybe a final comment from you, all the human beings that are listening to you that know that you're on the air right now. What do you want to say to them? Yeah, I just think that, you know, football, people don't watch enough football in this country. I just want people to engage with the game, play the game, watch the game. You know, the local game just needs so much more backing and support. I mean, the Premier League is like watched by so many people. And I just, you know, there needs to be so much more emphasis and so much more support and backing for football in this country. We've got the potential. We've got, you know, the resources. We've got the players. We've got the coaches. But, you know, we just need people to to support us and back us. And, you know, it takes one or two people to watch football, go to the games and, you know... I'm starting, I'm coaching, we're starting at the bottom. So, yeah, we're the ones that can make change. You know, I've emphasized that big time. We can't complain about the football and yeah. we complain, we can't complain. But, you know, go support the team, you know, coach, like help where you can. So, yeah, that's my final comment. Biokineticist as well as football coach. Daughter to one of the greatest that we've seen here in South Africa. Caitlin Hunt, thank you so much, man. Really enjoy the interview and all the best on the coaching journey. Thank you for having me, Rob. Let's see where we end up. Yeah, we'll be tracking and tracing your every move uh, on the football front. Really love the interview. Thank you so much indeed for gracing our studios.